welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Dr. Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. And this is the show in which we try to take really complicated subjects in mental health and make them ridiculously simple. And today's topic might seem already ridiculously simple, but it's not. So today, we're going to be talking about animals. And not just any animals. No, not... Not, not about giraffes or condors. Or, or humans, or human animals. Or human animals. Well, we, we will be talking about human animals in some, in some sense, but today we want to talk about the psychological importance of pets in our lives. So, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I'm going to do this now. I'm just going to say some words, okay? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Hopefully ones that I can understand. Well, maybe. You could bark like a dog. I'm not going to do that. Um, that sounded creepy. I speak dog. Um, Pepper, Fluffy, Bilbo, Frida, Patches, uh, Annie, um, Fluff, Snowball, Choo Choo. Um, I'm trying to think of how many more I can get. I, there's like at least eight more of the names of all the pets I've ever had. Um, like the, the names themselves, each one of them captures a memory for me, like a specific period of my life. Are these, are these dogs or cats? Dogs, or? cats, guinea pigs, goldfish. Choo Choo was a goldfish. Wow. I don't know why I thought a goldfish should be called Choo Choo. I had, I had a croc. I had, I, had a cro I, I had an alligator. You had an alligator? I had two alligators, actually. They're very affectionate alligators. Actually, they were terrible. <laughs> they were the worst pets I've ever had. They were cute, but you know, um, no, but actually, I like dogs. And um, dogs are special. I mean, dogs are simple. They're straightforward. They understand my, my I mean, my, my, when I, you know, I keep saying that, that Bear is my best friend, and he is. What I say to my family, and I've heard you say this to yours too, my, I have two dogs. Bear is the name of Gene's dog, by the way. It's not actually that he owns a bear. He has a dog named Bear, just, just to be clear. So I have two dogs. I got a 110-pound mutt named Corduroy, and then I got a little 7-pound sociopath who's like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. His name is Snack. Um, they're both awesome dogs in their own way, and I always tell my family, this is the simplest thing in my life. These are the only creatures that understand me, that truly understand me. Well, they, well, so how do they understand you? So animals, pet, well, dogs, will, will, first of all, they know your emotions, right? Yeah. No, they, they get you. No question. Yeah. yeah. Every, when I was growing up, every time I had a breakup with a girl, and usually that was the direction it went. She broke up with me, just for the record. And when that happened, my dog somehow knew. Yeah. My dog was there at my bedside when I was playing whatever Simon and Garfunkel song seemed to fit the moment well. They do get you, and and they're protective in, yep. in, in, in sometimes uh, sometimes a, a, an affectionate way, and sometimes not such an affectionate way. But they're very and loyal, yep. And they they're trustworthy, and they they you know the the reason why I think they they're our best friends is because they're un they unconditionally love us, and want to please us and want us to please them. Despite Real simple, despite our faults, right, right, like like our spouses, our kids, our friends might occasionally find a fault in us. I'm not sure my dog ever, maybe I'm deluding myself, maybe it's just that I don't speak dog. I don't know that he finds so, a fault. So I've, I've got this pillow in my um, office at home that says, 
I want to be the kind of person the dog thinks I am. Well, it's perfect, right? <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> and, or, or, you know, we're, we're kind of cutting cats out of the Knicks here, and I know this is a whole no, thing. Cats are great, too. You, know, you just can't expect them to be dogs, right? So no. you, you got to have a cat be a cat and a dog be a dog, but they are both amazing animals. And, and we shouldn't forget there are thousands of years of domestication here of them learning to live with us, right? I well, mean, there's also a lot of evidence that, that humans would not have evolved the way we have evolved if it weren't for dogs. Right. So that there's a there's a back and forth. That so happens. we've domesticated them, but they allowed us to to prosper in ways that, that we couldn't have done it without them. Including to prosper psychologically. Right. And given that we're child So neurobiologically, what, what what makes them so satisfying to us since you're the biologist around here? Um, I'm not I mean as much biologist as you, but but here's what we know from the literature at least. Uh, People who feel close to their animals, and even people who get a chance to sort of snuggle with a particularly nice dog. If you snuggle with my sociopathic dog, you would not have this experience unless he knew you. You would have the experience of running for your life he because a seven-pound dog. He would, like, bite your nose and just hang there like this little ferret thing. He's a Datsun York. He's a dorky. That's literally what he is. Um, but a golden retriever that you see in the hospital that's up on the PD wards yeah. right now, yeah. right as we speak, when those dogs settle in on you, your brain actually changes. First of all, it slows down. So the fear response slows down. The fight or flight response slows down. And then more importantly, there's this hormone called oxytocin, which you see in the pop literature all the time, and for good reason. It's associated with feeling close, mm -hmm. with feeling love, actually, with feeling relaxed. The dogs have literal physiologic responses that they transmit to us. And this is probably one of the reasons why dogs are therapeutic. I mean, why single, like elderly, for example, having a pet promotes well-being. It yep. promotes health, psychological health, and physical health, and why dogs can be, you know, so-called service dogs, like you were talking on the Pete's words, they are therapeutic for all of us in many different ways. They're emotionally satisfying, they're, they're funny, they're playful, they help us feel good about ourselves, and they actually are therapeutic. And also, we take care of them, and they show that they appreciate our care. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's worth um, thinking about the evolutionary background here. So, so the idea, as I understand it, is that, you know, dogs are, dogs are canines, right? So they're yeah. part of the, the wolf family. And the thought is that there was primitive man, right, or primitive humans, and they're, they're cooking one day. And then there's these alpha wolves, right, and they get all the meat and the beta down the line. Wolves don't get what they want. So one of these wolves kind of slunk over to these weird bipeds, these like weird hairy creatures walking on two legs, which were primitive, you and me, and kind of looked at them with those cute big eyes. And the human threw them a little bit of meat, and that dog said, I am yours for life. And the thinking, at least from the evolution of biologists, is that the humans realized the weakest wolf is still stronger than not having a wolf at all. So we will start to domesticate these creatures. And they started following them. There's evidence of dogs being buried with primitive humans yeah. all the way back yeah. as primitive humans go. Well, because they are companions, but they also were instrumental in herding. And, you know, you know, when we, you know, when we went from hunter-gatherers to an, agri an agrarian society, we couldn't have done it without dogs. Right, right. We could not have herded, we couldn't have herded our, our livestock without, without the dogs. Right, so, so we are at risk here in our discussion because we have only talked about dogs. And this is something people feel very strongly about. There are other animals that you can feel very close to. So can You're we like a guinea pig. Uh, 
let's not go to the rodents just yet, although rodents matter a lot, and the guinea, we have three, the guinea pigs, we have like one that we raised from a little baby that we literally fed with droppers, and the other two that um, we got from the animal rescue place, they're like, they're like tough guinea pigs. Yeah. You know, they grew up on the streets, kind of. But let's talk about cats for a second. I, yeah. I've had cats and dogs. Me too. What are the differences? I've always, well, how do you tell the difference between a dog and a cat? Um, so from a, from a biological perspective, it's retractable claws and those funky pupils. But that's not really the answer. The answer is one looks like a dog, one looks like a cat. It's right. pattern recognition. Right. But what are the differences psychologically? Hmm. You know, I, well, I'm trying to think of, of the, the cats that I've had. I mean, for, I've had lap cats. I've had cats that are playful. They're very different. I mean, the cat that I have now, actually, my daughter found it on the streets in South Boston. It's a feral kitten. And this white, pure white cat was, was really difficult. She was a loner. She was autonomous. She was a hunter. She, like, she was brought out to the house because we've got land, and she would go out every night, and she would hunt, and she would kill. And then she wouldn't let you pet her. Over the years, she has become more and more affectionate. So she kind of cries, and she rubs up against me, and she asks to be fed, and she lets me pet her. And she, so it, it was an evolution. But the thing about her that's, that, that makes me feel um, loved is that she's so autonomous, and she's so self-sufficient, and she's so much on her own. When she comes over to me, it's like she's giving me this incredible gift. Right. Like my dog comes to me all the time and it's like never he's like jumping on me and he's like it's always it's oh he's always there but the cat the cat decides chooses when to kind of like bestow her rubby the grace her, of her presence. The grace of her presence upon me yeah, because yeah, no, she's because cats are like agree. that. They they, yep. they have their own private lives that they're yep. inscrutable. Yeah the last cat we had who unfortunately was eaten by a coyote um, which is an interesting idea also that we could think about, about whether you keep cats indoors or outdoors. And we knew there were risks allowing yeah. him to go outdoors. He was a great cat. He was part Maine Coon cat. He was huge. And he would look at you, and he would say, meow. That was exactly what it sounded like. It wasn't like, meow. He would just go, meow. And he would say, meow to you, too. And then he would walk up to you and, like, rub up against you. And this gargantuan cat was this most awesome, affectionate cat who would fetch things, yeah. too. So I think we get carried away by the difference between dogs and cats. I think they're more similar. Yeah, they are similar in some ways. I mean, when I had cats growing up, I played with them the way I played with a dog. Yeah, yeah. Now, but this particular cat, which was a feral cat, maybe because she was feral, she had a, she had a traumatic background. Right, right. So she had to warm up a little bit. I, I have tried taking cats that I've had growing up for a walk. That doesn't go so well. No. It's like dragging this thing along that's sort of bouncing around behind you. But psychologically speaking, I don't think we can stress this enough, especially as child psychiatrists. Yeah. If not all families can have a pet in the house for all sorts of different reasons, allergies, I mean, everything. Yeah. But if you can, the, the, the way that a pet can help a child who's feeling um, that their self-esteem's taking a yeah. hit, who's feeling unloved, even if they're wonderfully loved, that feeling that a pet can give to a, to a kid, mm -hmm. I don't think it's paralleled anything else. Right, and, and the other thing is is that, you know, our kids and we take care of the pet. And, it, you know, there's something about, you know, we talked about this in a blog about, you know, that there's a difference in the brain between giving rather than receiving, like around the holidays. Yeah. That, that giving has a more robust kind of positive response in the brain. And for kids to be able to take care of animals, to feed them, to groom them, to, you know, to 
you know, to let them out when they have to go out is really an important, oh, you know, my, important um, thing for them. The dog I had growing up, the one that lasted from the time I was seven years old until I was a junior in college, name was Patches, just a total mongrel, like this, this nobody, we called her an old English Lassacockish noodle. That was literally what we wrote on the, on the thing with the vet, and the vet laughed, this old Kansas vet, he had this kind of cool drawl. And I remember I could walk to the vet from my house, and so when I was eight years old, I said, I'm going to take the dog on my own. And my mom said, okay, and I felt like such a grown-up. I felt such responsibility yeah. taking my dog to see the doctor. And the doc was like, you know, my mom had called ahead and paid for it and everything. So I got there and the dog, you know, we got to go back together. He, he helped me look at the dog's stool sample under a microscope, which I actually thought was the coolest thing. It felt like being a grown-up. Yeah, yeah. So it does, it does breed, it does, when I say breed, it breeds responsibility in kids and um, as well as in adults. But I, but I think it's, and you know, they are family members. I mean, you know, they are family members. Yeah, yeah. So they're, 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 they're one of us. So if families worry about getting pets, I think we can reassure them, both in this podcast, in our offices, and just with our friends, that actually a pet, if you can do it, if you can afford it, and it's a real issue, if you can afford it, it costs money. Right, they don't have to be expensive, but they cost more than if you didn't have them, mm -hmm. right? I mean, so you think it through. It's not a light decision. You don't do it lightly. You don't buy a duck on Easter and then just let it go, uh, which we hear stories about every year. But if you can do it, it is so worth the effort. Yeah. So on that note, it's time for Monumental Mental Health Myths. And as always, we'll pick the myths about our subject, which happens to be pets today, out of Herman. So here's one for you. Okay. Can we read it? Okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Um, you'll take the dog back if your kids don't hold up their side of the bargain when they said they would walk the dog. So you know that moment, right, where you say, kids, we'll get a dog if you take care of the dog. If you take that responsibility. And if you don't. Dog's going right back. Nonsense. That it dog's is, not going back. No. I mean, when, when, when was a dog ever taken? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, you can, you, parents will threaten their kids. If you don't take care of the dog, we're giving the dog away. We're going to put it in the shelter. We're going to, they never do that. So I think, I think the, maybe a better way to phrase this particular myth is it's not a good threat to use, A, because you're less likely to stand well, by it. Well, it's a it. lie. Right. Well, and if you do stand by, what's the message? I'm going to take this dog back, this dog that we've welcomed into our family. Yeah. Like that's that's not such a great message either. So so I think the myth here is that if you get the dog, it's not a one person project. It's a family endeavor. Right, right. And you will learn the responsibility. As so as go parents, on. we should actually say, look, we're gonna get a dog and we're all gonna take care of it. Yeah. And then we'll we'll do it together. And then you can have discussions if the dog is not taken care of Absolutely. appropriately. Yeah. Okay, well, how about one for me, from Herman? Okay, Herman, what do we got? Okay, pit bulls are a nasty breed. You know, this is a myth, I'll tell you. My, um, they look scary, they're portrayed as scary, they've been seen on television and movies as kind of the dogs that kind of like go out, go at you, and, and I guess the myth is is that they're kind of like just 
aggressive, angry, hostile, violent creatures, okay? But they are this, as a breed, they're really quite sweet. I mean, like, well, any dog can be aggressive. I mean, I love pit bulls. I mean, I love dogs, and pit bulls, I think, are beautiful animals um, and really cute, really, really, really cute. But I also have read the stories about pit bulls that once they clamp on, their jaws are so powerful, you're not going to get them to un unclamp. I mean, it's once they've decided to go into attack mode, but I think we could say the same about just about any dog. Yeah. And so uh, I would, I guess if we're in the business of giving advice, if you're thinking about getting a pit bull, the myth is that you shouldn't get a pit bull. That's a myth. But you should be careful about the dog you get. And you should know a little bit about what the dog's background was. I mean, for example, if you happen to have papers that the dog is, a, you know, is AKC registered, you can at least look at their lineage. You can look at what, they're, what they were bred to do because some of these traits run in you know, generation to generation. Um, and if the dog is a rescue dog, it, maybe you can find out about how the dog was, was raised. I mean, you know, was the dog traumatized? Is the dog, you know, vulnerable in some way or not? Because that may be a risk factor. But, you know, you should know something about it and so know, as, you know your dog. So, you know, to wrap this up, as with most myths, it's hard to say, as with most myths, the you myth... You up on these M's. Yeah, I do. The myth itself <laughs> is straightforward, but the solution to the myth, it's complicated. Right. Which is why we do this show. Right. So thanks for watching the show today, folks, and um, hope you have some things to you know, write in or, or send in to us about your stories with your own pets. I mean, everybody has stories about their pets, so please do that. I'm Gene Barassi. And I'm Steve Schlossman. Thanks. Thank you.